Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. As we are in the season of Pentecost, we invite you into a time of looking at the Holy Spirit through fresh eyes. We often look for breakthrough through a massive life-altering moment, but most often breakthrough comes through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. How committed are we to opening our lives to the Holy Spirit so that he can make us more like Jesus? Will you invite him in and give him room? Hello everyone. It is wonderful to be back. I know we were kind of missing for a few weeks. Uh, we were visiting my uh wife's parents. Uh, so we spent about a month with them. So it is good to be back with you. And so we are in the middle of a series uh, that is looking forward to Pentecost. So the focus of the series is the Holy Spirit. Um so you'd have heard from Tina last week as she talked about uh um spirit breakdown how the Holy Spirit uh, transforms us, purifies us, cleanses us. And today, uh, the theme of the message is uh, Holy Spirit break out. Um, so, and uh, as you would uh, have seen the opener, uh, the image of uh, a fire. So, um, as I'm going through this message, if you're telling yourself, Jaren, I saw the opener, but I don't see how you relate to that. I'm with you, just hold on tight, um, and then we will get there at the end. Um, so our scripture focus for today is going to be for Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 to 26. Um however, I'm going to do something different than I normally do. Normally, I feel like I get right into scripture, we read scripture, get into it and we go through that. Today, I'm going to do something a little different. So there are two very important things I want to talk about before we get into scripture. So we will focus on those two important things and then we will read scripture and go in uh to what uh, we can get from scripture today okay now before i start uh i'm going to say a word of prayer and then we'll go from there heavenly father we thank you so much for giving us this time to gather in your name lord father we will always be grateful and forever we will be grateful that we can gather in your name that we have the freedom and the peace and the security to do that here lord and we remember and let us always remember lord the people that long to gather but do not have the security or the peace or the safety to do that, Lord. So, Father, we pray for those who, because of your name, because of their faith in your name, because they call on your name, uh, have difficult lives, have lives that are filled with uh, pain uh, inflicted because of persecution or just uh, lives that are difficult and comfortable, Lord. Father, we ask that uh, you would bring them comfort, that your spirit would lead them and give them boldness, uh, when they need it, Lord, and courage when they need it, Lord. And Father, that you would give them safety uh, when they're in trouble, when things are not safe, that you would be their safety, Lord, that you would protect them and you would lead them in a, in path to safety, Lord. Protect them, keep them focused on you, Lord. Whatever difficulty they're going through, Lord, let it not take their focus on you, off you, Father. Let it not take their focus off you, but let them always keep their focus on you, Lord. So, Father, we ask that uh, you would speak to us, that this would not be um, just words and thoughts that I have had, Lord, but, Father, that it would be from you that you would speak to us, that you would give me the words to speak, that you would give 
me the thoughts that you would lead my thoughts, Lord. And that uh, as I'm speaking, that every thought I have, every word I have will be um, held captive, Lord, and that you are the one uh, that is orchestrating this, Lord. So, Father, speak to everyone listening, speak to me, and let our lives be changed and transformed as we hear from you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are looking forward to Pentecost and we are doing this series that focuses on the Holy Spirit. So this is part two of the series and the focus is the Holy Spirit. But before we get into scripture, I, as I was preparing um, for the message, I came across a very interesting article that really grabbed my attention. Um, the article, the purpose of the article was to talk about what are possible um, barriers we have from engaging with the Holy Spirit. And as I read it, I found it very interesting because I've never thought about it in that sense that maybe there are certain barriers or there are certain patterns of thought or the way we think that might keep us from engaging with the Holy Spirit. So I read it and I think that is a good starting point as we look forward to Pentecost to talk about what might be some barriers that keep us from fully engaging with the Holy Spirit. Um, it's easy when we think of the Father and when we think of Jesus the Son to visualize them as a person or to think of them in their personhood. Um, when you think of Jesus, it the visuals that come to your mind are definitely that of a person, right? And for Jesus, that's pretty easy because he was God incarnate, right? He uh, was he lived on earth. He took on human form and lived on earth. And he had he had a face. He had a body. So he took on human form. So it is very easy when we think of Jesus the Son to think of him as a person, and uh, nothing really clouds our view of him as anything but a person. Uh, and then when we think of the Father. Um, it is also quite easy for us to think of him as a person too. The, these words, father and son, are very common human words and they denote relationships. And so when we hear the word father and son, we automatically think of persons. Um, that is where our mind goes to. Uh, even with Jesus, when you think of him as a person, it many times, at least my mind goes even beyond just a human bodily form. And there is a face that I attach to it. Uh, sadly, it is the stereotypical um, like face that we see in Renaissance art or uh, or like classical art pieces. Uh, and sadly, it's not the Middle Eastern like you know, brown skin Jesus that was likely what he looked like. Um, but when you think of the Father, you may be influenced like by art, like I have, and may put a face. To him, maybe a very strong but older man with gray hair, uh, or maybe you just envision him as a person, but maybe not a face. But the words "father" and "son," and the, and the fact that Jesus was on earth living with us, makes it very easy for us to think of them as person, think of them in their personhood. Uh, however, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, um, or Many times the Holy Spirit is, men is uh, mentioned as the Holy Ghost. A, we, the, a person is not the first image that comes to our mind. When we think of spirit or ghost, we tend to imagine something 
disembodied, hovering, floating around. Um, if uh, some of you are my age, uh, you may think of Casper the Friendly Ghost and think of something like that, right? And in many times when we think of the Holy Spirit, our questions are, what is it, rather than who is it, right? So, now, we, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, right? So, he is the third person of the Trinity, and uh, he has personhood. So, what are these barriers that might prevent us from thinking in that way? So, uh, one such thing is the way we almost interpret or take meaning from the words that uh, Scripture uses to describe the Holy Spirit, right? So Scripture uses certain words to describe the Holy Spirit, but the meaning we take from that is quite different to what uh, Scripture is communicating, so that could be a possible barrier. Uh, so many of the words used to describe the Holy Spirit are uh, fire, wind, water, and, and when you think of... Um, the baptism of Jesus when the Holy Spirit descends, it is like a bird or a dove. Uh, so these are words that uh, Scripture uses to describe the actions of the Holy Spirit and not the status or not the person of the Holy Spirit. But many times the meaning we derive could be that uh, these are words that describe him uh, as a person rather than describe his actions. So when we tell ourselves that these words describe him as a person, these are very inanimate things that have no human quality. So we tend now to think of him in his personhood when we think of these words as describing his status. But in reality, these words describe his actions, um, as in... During Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is described as this wind, right? So, and then when he descended on Jesus, he's described as a, like a bird or a dove. So in those moments, um, his activity or what he did is described in those words, and it is not his personhood that is described in those words. So this is one such barrier that if we um, just think of it in the right way, it can help us uh, get past the hurdle that these words that are used to describe the Holy Spirit are words used to describe his activity, his actions, not his personhood, not his status. And I mean, there are similar things that happen with the father and the son. The son, the father is described many times, God is described as a rock, right? Uh, and Jesus, the son, um, is the, we refer to him as the lamb. Um, like these words, in their cases, don't serve as barriers, even though they're inanimate and they're not human, because we already have these pictures of them as persons, but with the Holy Spirit, they might. So one is uh, considering the fact that the words used to describe the Holy Spirit are words used to describe his activity and his actions, and not his personhood. Um, uh, another way to help us along the journey to be able to think of the Holy Spirit as a person, as a who, rather than a what, is um, looking at the word that the Apostle John uses in the Gospel of John and the Epistle of John. The word that the Apostle John uses for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. Uh, so that's the word he used, paraclete. Paraclete quite literally means um, someone who 
comes next to you, someone that comes alongside you to help you. One who comes alongside you, one who comes alongside you to help you. So it is, and in many translations, you can see that the word paraclete is uh, translated as advocate, counselor, comforter. So these are all words that uh, are, uh, I mean, that have people attached to it, right? A comforter or a counselor is a person that you could go to for counsel. A comforter, somebody who comforts you. Advocate, someone who fights for you. So when we think of this word and when, when we think of the Holy Spirit and then we this word paraclete is brought into our attention, then it adds that personhood to the Holy Spirit because it talks about a person who comes alongside you to help you. So... And then one additional thing, right? We hear the Father speak throughout Scripture. We hear Jesus speak uh, in Scripture, especially in the Gospels. So hearing them speak helps us relate to them, or seeing their speech in Scripture helps us relate to them in their personhood. Um, but I think seldom have we seen how the Holy Spirit speaks, right? The, the, it's like, I mean, it's probably because there aren't many examples of that, but there's one very clear example. If you see, uh, it's Acts chapter 13, verse two, right? It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So it doesn't say the Lord said, the Father said, or Jesus said, clearly the Holy Spirit said, set them apart for I have called them. So here is an example very clear example of um, the Holy Spirit speaking um, and 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 communicating His will to the people. So He is person. So just like we view the Father as a person, as a Son, as a person, we can also view the Holy Spirit as a person because He is. Uh, he is the third person in the Trinity. He is, he is not a what. He is most definitely a who and a very important who. He is the one who comes alongside you to help you. Uh, he is God indwelling in you. Uh, so if any of those things that we've mentioned may have served as barriers for you in how you engage with the Holy Spirit, because you may have felt that he's not personable or personal in any way uh, that is uh, far from reality he is a person and he wants to come alongside you and help you now why is this important to talk about it's important to talk about because it uh, helps if we have not engaged with this if we have had barriers to engage with the holy spirit and we are primarily focused on the father and the son um one, it's important because it gives us the pathway to elevate the Holy Spirit and see Him as equal with the Father and Son, which is right, because uh, uh, it brings our focus back to the Trinity. It brings our focus back to our, our triune God. Um, our God is Trinity. Our God is triune, as in one God, three persons. Uh, if one in three, three in one. So this has, I mean, it's very important for us that uh, 
we bring our focus back and that when we talk of God and when we think of God and when we view God, that we view him in his triune form. Uh, but in order to view him in his triune form, we have to view them the right way, which is they are equal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are equal. One God, three persons, right? One and three and three and one. So only one God and three persons, three persons in uh, perfect union, three persons that are mutually indwelling, uh, three persons that are perfect love. So there is perfect love, there is perfect union, and they're mutually indwelling, right? So this is important because um, our God in this picture of the Trinity, our triune God, is a picture of community, three persons in perfect union, right? If you can picture this, our God is community um, because it is three persons that are in perfect love, in perfect union, mutually indwelling each other. So that is why that we, if we have not, that we elevate the the way we view the Holy Spirit so that we can view our God the right way. Uh, our God isn't only Father, isn't only Son, and is definitely not only Spirit, but our God is the fa is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God is triune, our God is Trinity. And the implications it has is that uh, when we view our God the right way as triune, as Trinity, community becomes valuable. We can't not but value community because our God itself is a picture of community because the three persons in perfect union, mutually indwelling. So why did we work through that to come to this thing of valuing community? So now we are going to get into scripture. Okay, So we're reading from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. I will read through a couple of verses, we'll talk about it, then we'll read a bigger chunk in the middle, and then we'll end off with a couple of verses too. Um, background to Galatians. So this is a letter that Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia. Um, these are churches that he planted, and now he's away, and he has gotten wind of the trouble that is plaguing the churches and he is filled with concern and he pens this letter to address the concerns that are going on. So uh, Paul preached the gospel to them. Uh, they accepted the gospel and they came and a community of and the church was formed in uh, Galatia. Um, however, as uh, once Paul left and in time, um, people whose focus was not the gospel, uh, have crept into the community. Um, we, I heard one commentator call them <clears throat> the agitators. So we could label them as the agitators. These agitators uh, creeped in. Um, the focus of the agitators was not the gospel. The focus of the agitators was the law. So they were promoting uh, that it is uh, the law that brings you to the family of God, and it was the right of circumcision that brings you into the family of God. So Paul is writing this letter to remind the people uh, in the church in Galatia that uh, the gospel was is different from 
what these people are saying, right? He's telling them, if you read the first um, chapter of Galatians, you can see Paul is emphatic. He tells them, even if an angel shows up with a different gospel, don't believe it because I proclaim the true gospel to you. So he is writing to them and calling them back uh, to the gospel, calling them back to focus on Jesus. And so we're going to read starting from uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So, he starts out with this theme of freedom. So, brothers and sisters, you are free. So, you have accepted the gospel, and through your faith in Christ, you are free. But this freedom you have is not free to do anything you want. This freedom is have is you are free to love, um, not free to indulge in anything else, but you have the freedom to love. And when he talks about love, he talks about love your neighbor as yourself. So he talks about freedom and that the reason for this freedom is you are free to love, not anything else. I mean, of course, you can use that freedom for something, but he says the freedom that you have is because you can use that freedom to love. So let's keep in mind freedom and let's keep in mind love as we keep reading. Um, so, oh, before I move on, verse 15, right? He tells them, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, you will destroy each other, right? Quite literally, um, tells them, if you bite and eat each other or stop biting and eating each other, right? Um, and as I read this, I'm kind of wondering, how bad did things get in Galatia that he had to be so stern and very graphic with his words, right? So, but just a thought. That was a tangent. So now back. So next is verses 16 through verses 21. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, we started with you are free to love, and then in that same theme of freedom, he goes on to say, walk by the Spirit, so you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. So, a couple things to focusing on here. One, the phrase walk by the spirit and uh, how Paul um, 
holds two things in opposition, which is the flesh and the spirit. Um, so when he's talking about the flesh and the spirit, um, the idea here is not ideas we've seen in other Pauline letters where it is the physical world and the world that is not seen, like you, like words we have seen in the past of uh, the higher authorities or authorities, um, powers of the land. So it's not, it's not that meaning that's conveyed here. Um, here, it's more in terms of identity. So he's contrasting them to see is your identity in the flesh or is your identity in the spirit? If your identity is in the spirit, then it means that uh, your identity is in Christ, your identity is in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is what motivates you. Uh, the Holy Spirit is what powers you. So your motivation is from the Holy Spirit. Um, you are powered, I mean, by the Holy Spirit. So that is what the theme he's trying to convey as in walk in the Spirit, uh, walk by the Spirit, is that you find your identity in Christ. You find your identity in the Holy Spirit and your motivation is from the Holy Spirit and you, the power with which you function is also from the Holy Spirit. So, and, and then we'll keep reading. So things to keep in mind, right? You are free, choose, use your freedom to love. And then walking by the Spirit meanings, you find your identity in the Holy Spirit. You find your identity in Christ. Now we're going to read the last couple of verses. This is verse 22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So, I have to thank my wife, whom I love very much, for this next thing. Uh, as I was prepping for this, I kept saying fruits of the Spirit. And she looked at me and said, Jaren, it is singular. It is a single fruit of the Spirit. And I don't think I personally have ever seen it mentioned that way or very likely what I was doing was not paying attention when someone was pointing it out. So it is a singular fruit of the Spirit. It is not multiple fruits of the Spirit. It is not multiple in that you get to choose option A and B and not C and D. It's not a situation where well, my personality lines up more with self-control and goodness, but uh, kindness, forbearance, uh, joy, love, and peace really aren't something I can jive with. So I get to pick two that I like that my personality rolls with and the rest I can discard, right? So that is not the case. There is a single fruit of the Spirit and that single fruit of the Spirit is all of these things. It is not a pick and choose. It is... I want to say all or nothing, if you can keep it that way, but it is a single fruit. So, and the fruit of the Spirit is because you are empowered by the Spirit. Our life bear this, this fruit because of the Holy Spirit and not apart from Him, but because of Him. Uh, however, there is a little caveat, right? The Holy Spirit is not a Spirit that possesses you 
and causes you to do things that you don't want to. He is not a spirit like uh, the spirits that serve God's enemy that might possess people and take control. He is not someone, he is not a spirit that does that. He is not a spirit that's going to possess you to make you love, to possess you, to make you be kind or make you have self-control. He is a gentle spirit, right? So the caveat is, if you look at verse 25, it says, we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Uh, one translation that I read that really helped me out was, it says, we live by the spirit and let us keep in line with the spirit. So this fruit of the spirit, this walking by the spirit, living by the spirit, is think of it as a shared responsibility. The Holy Spirit is not going to possess you and will you into doing something or force you, but he is going to come alongside you and guide you and because he is the paraclete, right? He's the one who comes alongside. And we have a shared responsibility to keep in line, to keep in step. Um, a good analogy to think of this way is a dance. Uh, in, a, in a dance, when two people are dancing, there's normally a lead partner, right? And then the other one follows. So imagine we are in a dance and the Holy Spirit is the lead, but it is our responsibility to follow. And so, again, we have the theme of freedom woven back in, right? It is our choice to choose, right? Freedom has been woven into the us life to our life as humans since creation. God put the tree of the good, knowledge of good and evil smack in the middle and told us that's what it is. Choose not to do it. We chose. So freedom is part of our Christian life. We are free. And because of that freedom, we can choose what is right. And in this case, we have the freedom to love. And we have the freedom to walk in line and in step with the Holy Spirit. So, and when we choose that freedom to do these things, then these, this fruit will flourish in our lives. The Holy Spirit will develop and will grow this fruit in our lives. So as we read the rest, so we are free. Uh, we use our freedom to, and we choose love, and we are able to love because uh, we walk by the Spirit. We walk in line with the Spirit. We walk in step with the Spirit, um, and we choose to follow Him as He leads us. We don't get ahead of Him, but we choose to follow Him as He leads us, and uh, as we choose to do that, He develops the fruit of the Spirit within us. He empowers us. He is the one that motivates us. He is the power that is within us. And so how does this relate to the opener that we saw? And how does this relate to the theme of community I was trying to bring out about the Trinity and the triune God? So Paul is writing to a community, right? He is writing to a group of people and calling them to do this. So 
this letter is being read out uh, to a community. It is instructions to not a single person, but it's instructions to a community. So this fruit of the spirit is not for any single person, but this fruit of the spirit is for our community. And it is to sustain our community. So as we look forward to Pentecost, right, we see how the Holy Spirit arrived on the scene with power and might. And as um, I, ideas have expressed in the past ones, like we as a church, we are poised for growth. I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit um, will show up in power and might, and there will be signs and wonders according to his will. I have no doubt about it. And that those signs and what those signs will bring people in and this church will grow and they will see uh, our God for the one true God that he is. And now those are specific events where we see uh, God's power, where we see the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we sustain that? How do we continue to sustain the community as these people who may have seen a sign come in? The way we sustain that is this, the fruit of the Spirit. And that is how the opener comes in. You saw the opener, right? It was a controlled fire. So if we, since we are free, and we choose our freedom for the flesh and not the spirit, then it is like a forest fire, a wild fire that is out of control. And everything it touches, it ravages, it destroys, and uh, that thing is no more. So, however, because we are free, we can choose love, and we can choose the spirit, and we can walk in line with the Spirit so that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is developed within us. And when we do that, it is that controlled fire that spreads and whatever it touches, it does not destroy, but it purifies. It is not out of control. It's focused and its purpose as it spreads is to purify. So when we, because we're free, we choose to be in line with the Spirit. And when we interact with and when we relate to people within the walls of the church or outside, and we choose to relate to them in kindness over uh, unkindness, when we choose to relate to them with uh, compassion over envy, when we choose to relate to them uh, in peace and goodness over malice, the Holy Spirit is breaking out in those moments. The power of the Holy Spirit is just as much there in those moments as it is there in signs and wonders. So those moments is where the Holy Spirit is breaking out. Those moments is where the fire is spreading. And I tell you, definitely when the fruit, when you develop the fruit of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit shows up in power and might through the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your interactions with people who may not know Jesus, definitely. Holy Spirit is breaking out there. As they see your life being transformed, there's only one reason for that transformed life, and it's the one true God. So that is how the Holy Spirit will sustain us. That is how he will break out. He will use the fruit of the Spirit that he's developing 
within us. And as we come together in community, as we grow together in community, he will use the fruit that he's developing within us to sustain us and to help us grow. And this Holy Spirit fire that breaks out cannot be stopped. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, watching us. I would love to pray with you and then I'll close up. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us this time. Thank you for showing us what you long for us through your scripture, Lord. Thank you that uh, your longing for us is that we would walk in line with your spirit. That uh, your longing for us is that we would that we would develop in the fruit of the spirit. That we would walk in line. That your Holy Spirit would empower us and develop those the fruit of the spirit within us, Lord. Father, help us to always choose the fruit over anything else, Lord. Father, thank you for giving us the freedom to choose. Empower us to make the right choices. Empower us to always choose righteousness over wickedness, Lord. Empower us to always choose uh, the fruit of the Spirit versus choosing the flesh, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you that uh, you care so deeply about us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the love of the Father, the grace of His only Son, Jesus, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Um, as you go out, keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is developing His fruit within you and that we are called to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. So as you go out, walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.